0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome to Safari Zoo News, your weekly look at the world of news as it pertains to zoos, aquariums, conservation, animals, and random crap going on in my life. And I'll tell you what, that life is pretty darn good overall, but uh, it has been a day full of crap today because I got floosted. What's floosted, you say? Is that some new weird disease or a, a variation of COVID that you haven't heard of yet? Nope. It's when you go and get your flu shot and your booster shot at the same time and it decides to destroy your world. Y'all, it has been a crazy 24 hours. I don't I don't really get sick. And when I do, it's the kind of thing where I'm like annoyed that my nose is running, but I'm otherwise fine. Or I have a headache, but go and play the drums for three hours and everything is fine. This wiped me out. But I am telling you that not to tell you to not go get floosted, but to tell you to, in fact, go and get floosted, because, you know what? It knocked me out for doing math, doing math, 21 and a half hours. And now, as you can hear in my voice, I'm back to pretty normal. Uh, the Stuffed Red Panda editors want me to remind you all that I, I'm almost never normal, but I'm, I'm back to my, my crazy, goofy self, and, and that's pretty good. Still a little arm pain. Definitely could not have been playing the drums tonight. Um, that's for for dang sure. But um, overall, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot better, and that's a heck of a lot better than uh, getting COVID and being wiped out. You know, I know that a lot of people are saying that Omicron is is less dangerous and has less symptoms and stuff than regular COVID. Um, but I'm I'm going to be serious with you for a second here. I just lost someone to it. It wasn't someone particularly close to me, but it's someone who I knew for years and years and had always been a very kind person in my world. We had interacted a lot and, um, and he just didn't believe that this was real. And, uh, he was in his mid fifties and he's gone now. And, um, his daughter and son and, and wife have to have to move on. And, uh, it was pretty eye-opening for me. Um, not that I didn't already believe in all of this, but, um, you know, it, it it it's real, y'all. So go and get floosted. And even if your day sucks, I promise you it sucks way less than that. And I promise you that is all I am going to say about your personal responsibility with this because uh, this podcast is meant to be fun and interesting and a distraction and all that good kind of stuff. And so it's going to be that. Well, it's mostly going to be that. As you know, it's zoo news, and that means happy and sad stuff happens. Um, but, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, okay, um, I want to remind you, or if this is your first time listening, hi, uh, to welcome you and to remind you to do a couple things. Make sure you're following along. My, my main content can definitely be found on Instagram, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook at Ross Safari. I'm on-ish TikTok at rassafaripod, and um, at all of these places, as well as my email address, rasafaripod at gmail.com, you can send me stories, and then if I put them in Zoo News, or honestly, even if I don't, because I like all of my contributors so much, I'll thank you at the end of the episode, and that way you can participate. Yay! Also, I wanted to take a minute to talk about ratings and reviews because that's a thing that you can do that really helps the pod, that takes very little time and uh, can actually make a huge difference. So it used to be that just on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, you could go and write a review and give a five-star rating. And, you know, writing a review can take a minute or two, but just clicking the little five-star thing, that's, like, instantaneous. So, like, you could go and just click, and then I'll have a five-star rating another one and that'll be amazing so you could you could go do that and now you can do it on spotify too i'm really excited about this and i want to thank the people who went and gave me a five-star rating right away because you have to have a certain number and i don't know what that is um, of ratings in order for spotify to even factor it in and publish your rating and we got there in roughly 24 hours so thank you all for making that happen it's really cool to see and i appreciate you all so much So, yeah, go leave a rating, go leave a review, do all the things. It really helps people find Raw Safari, and then you can become friends with those people and start to talk to them about the episodes and then become total besties. And then we'll build a conservation community and take over the world. Like, in a good conservation y way. Okay, here's an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end, ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. And remember, friends, although Daydreamer does not produce my podcast as I do it in-house, they do help me with a lot of things, including the brand new merch that is available if you go to rasafari.com, you can find your Rossafari shirts and hoodies and crop hoodies which I'm legally not allowed to wear and um all kinds of cool stuff and also your poop story Rossafari hoodies and stuff they're really fun really cool if you haven't seen them on insta yet check them out and go to rasafari.com to find that merch and get yourself all Rossafari hoodie deed 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 Okay, here's zoo news. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care, now won't you? Listen to zoo news. Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to zoo news? All right, y'all. So I started off super goofy and super, you know, fun and distracting and all that stuff. Um, because yeah, I, I like that, and and that's what I want this podcast to be overall. But um. It's time to rip the Band-Aid off. There was some seriously not great news that happened this week, and actually, I found out about four of the stories as soon as I woke up one morning, back to back to back to back, and uh, literally just turned over, went back to bed, and started my day again about 45 minutes later. Uh, So I'm going to start off with those, rip the Band-Aid off, and then we'll get to the more normal stuff. And I promise you, fun stuff is coming. But first, we have to turn to the biggest story of the week, Echo the Tiger. A Malayan tiger at the Naples Zoo was shot to death after a cleaning crew member snuck into part of its enclosure to apparently try to pet said tiger. I have so many thoughts on this. Uh, First of all, um, this was not a zoo staff member, but was the member of a cleaning crew that is hired externally by the zoo. And to be clear, they were not contracted to clean up any of the animal areas, but only to clean the restrooms and gift shop. However, apparently 26-year-old River Rosenquest, who lives in Naples, decided to go into the tiger enclosure and uh, hang out with a tiger. Apparently, he climbed over the initial fence barrier, and put his arm through the fencing of the tiger enclosure, which, weirdly, the tiger did not appreciate. Rosenquist was able to call 911 and request assistance, and a sheriff's deputy showed up and found the tiger with the man's arm in its mouth. After initially banging on the cage and trying to make noise to get the tiger to drop the arm out of its mouth, which, to be clear, was still attached to the human. Um, It hadn't been ripped off or anything. I'm not even being morbidly humorous here. I just wanted to be clear. Um, The deputy decided that there was no choice but to shoot the tiger. Uh, The deputy did so, and the tiger died. When I last looked into all of this mess, uh, Rosenquist was in the hospital and facing multiple serious charges. And look, this, this situation, it sucks for everyone, most of all for Echo the Tiger, who is no longer with us. Also for the entire staff of the Naples Zoo, who did nothing wrong and are now the victims of a bunch of flaming on Instagram and Facebook and all of that jazz. Oh yeah, and who, you know, lost a beloved animal. This is this is really sad. And I've seen a lot of people come out and say that the officer did the wrong thing and that he should have discharged his firearm in the air first and stuff like that. And um yeah, I think I think in a perfect world that would have been the best thing to happen. But um I've never seen a human being mauled by a tiger before and Odds are, neither have you. It's hard to know what the best thing to do in that situation is, and police are trained to value human life above anything else, including animal lives. Now, some of us may agree or disagree with that, but that is, that is kind of what our society is built on when it comes to the police. So um, I just feel bad for the officer for being in that situation and uh, now for, for being attacked for moving swiftly to, to save a life. And y'all, to be clear, the uh, sheriff's department released the body cam footage of the entire incident. I, I, I don't recommend watching it. It sucks a lot. I watched it for this episode and um, kind of wish I didn't, but I wanted to be there for y'all and, and come in with the most knowledge possible. And um, it, <laughs> it's not an image that's going to leave my mind anytime soon. Following the incident, the zoo was closed for a day. Grief counselors and other mental health experts are being provided to the staff as needed. And um, then, just like always happens in life, you know, life goes on. The zoo reopened and, um, and things started, started going again. But one thing I think is super cool is that the Naples Zoo has announced the launch of the Echo Tiger Conservation Fund, in which 100% of the proceeds will go towards the Wildlife Conservation Society and their work with tiger conservation and tiger science. This is a great way to remember the memory of Echo and also to show the Naples Zoo's support during this trying time. The Naples Zoo has not only been on the podcast, but is one of the zoos that really opened up a lot of their behind-the-scenes areas to me and stuff. There are some really good people taking care of some really, really good animals there, and I truly hope that the loss of Echo is something that everyone is able to get over at the zoo. And I also truly hope that it doesn't become one of those things where the zoo is constantly attacked by people because of this. No one at the zoo was at fault. As a matter of fact, if you would like to do a small thing to help out the zoo, hop on Facebook and give them a five-star rating because people have been rating bombing them and saying that the tiger should have been in the wild and all the dumb things that anti-captivity people say. Hell, a lot of people have been accusing the zoo of shooting the animal, which they didn't. It was a, it was a deputy of the sheriff's department doing his job. You know, it's, it's a messy situation. That man should not have been in there. But uh, yeah, you can help out the zoo by um, just being supportive and and giving them good reviews and just remembering that uh, this kind of thing happens and it really sucks. But Naples Zoo, we love you and send our condolences. Okay, so the other three sad news stories that I learned about on that fateful morning are all Red Panda related. So that's fun. Um, first of all, the Idaho Falls Zoo announced that Marvin, a 2-year-old red panda, and y'all, if you follow the Instagram, all those cute little pictures that you've seen that I've taken at Knoxville with the two pandas that are clearly best friends, that's that's Marvin and Linda who moved to Idaho Falls together as a breeding pair and had their first set of cubs last year. Um, Marvin passed away unexpectedly and the reason is unknown. On the same day, the Utica Zoo announced that Muse, their remaining red panda who was 10 years old, also passed away unexpectedly and they don't know why. That is heartbreaking. I had seen both of these pandas multiple times, and they are beautiful and wonderful and awesome, and I loved them. And, um, you know, this stuff just gets messy sometimes. Um, As a quick reminder, uh, Utica Zoo actually lost their other red panda earlier this year without understanding why, and the necropsy came back with no conclusive evidence as to why. So they are actually currently without a red panda at the Utica Zoo, and um, they are working with the species survival plan to get more. Uh, Sarah Glass believes that the zoo is doing everything correct, and it's, it's nothing happening there. But until then, you can see porcupines that are living in that exhibit, and um, they're actually going to build a new red panda habitat uh, moving forward. So the Utica Zoo, uh, as well as Idaho Falls Zoo, both remain committed to the red panda SSP and taking great care of these animals. But... um. Unfortunately, we lost two red pandas way earlier than we should have this year. And then last but not least in the old bandage ripping off thing, Band-aid ripping off bandages aren't sticky. Anyway, um, it's not actually zoo news, so that's happy, but it is red panda news. In Kathmandu, the Metropolitan Crime Division has arrested three security personnel and one civilian with four red panda hides. The scariest part of this is that one of the people arrested was a Nepal Army personnel near Badhor Gale, and also two Nepal police office assistants, Mohan Karna, Karki, and Krishna Tamang, along with one civilian, Suresh Giri. An investigation into where the pelts came from is still ongoing, but it's deeply concerning to see police and military people involved in the smuggling of red panda pelts. This is something that Red Panda Network and other conservation organizations have worked for years to fight against. There's no more info to report at this time, so I'm not going to report any more of it, but those are the four stories that ruined one of my days this week, and now the Band-Aid has been ripped off. You're welcome. But actually, I guess I should hit two more stories that aren't particularly lovely. Uh, Three more, actually. First of all, we'll do our um, COVID update, which is that the Toronto Zoo is shutting down for three weeks because COVID is getting so bad there and everywhere again. And uh, three lions at the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans are currently sick with COVID. So that's a bummer. And then um, we, we had to say goodbye to another beautiful animal this week. Jasmine, an eight-year-old elephant at ABQ Biopark in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is now the second member of their herd to die from EEHV. She was eight years old. As I'm sure you'll remember from last week's episode, EEHV is a disease that is found in both wild and captive elephants, and we don't have a cure for it yet, though teams are using every death that they can to research and try to find a cure for the disease. Along with being a terrible loss to the ABQ Biopark community, it was also a huge blow to the Elephant Species Survival Plan because Jasmine was well on her way following a carefully planned path to become an elephant matriarch. ABQ Biopark has a really innovative elephant care program. This program allows them to have large herds that are multi-generational, something that is not always common in captive elephants. Jasmine was present when her brothers were born and had been learning how to be an elephant mom most recently by practicing on balls and other toys, sending condolences to everyone at ABQ Biopark. And okay, that's enough of the sad for now. Let's get to some other stuff. The Dallas Zoo recently announced that their tiger, Sumatran tiger to be exact, Suki, gave birth to two healthy cubs, one male and one female. Because Suki had had problems producing milk in the past, when keepers learned that she was pregnant, they did everything they could to prepare to possibly have to hand-raise the cubs, which became necessary, and that was evident right from the start, so the cubs were pulled and are being hand-reared. All three tigers are super healthy and doing well. Yay! The Beardsley Zoo in Connecticut, you know them, they're our friends is celebrating 100 years this year and as such decided to kick off the year with a new logo. Designed by the Advertising and PR Campaign Class at the University of Bridgeport, the Centennial logo features animals representing the groups that make up the zoo. Birds, hoofstock, amphibians, farm animals, primates, reptiles, predators, and humans right at the center. It's a really cool logo with a kind of vintage, like, 60s vibe, and I super dig it. I highly recommend checking it out. It's, like, time for the splash zone, dude. And now, two absolutely wonderful stories from different aquariums. The first one comes from the Kyoto Aquarium. One of the great misconceptions of the animal kingdom is that penguins mate for life. There have been like movies about it and all kinds of stuff, and it's just not true. They mate For a period, sometimes for a long period, and only sometimes don't cheat on each other. But, you know, hey, no judgment. We do not kink shame at this podcast for animals or for people. The Kyoto Aquarium actually has a huge flowchart illustrating the complicated romantic relationships and breakups between their penguins. It looks like the crazy guy meme looking, you know, the conspiracy theorist thing. You know what I'm talking about. No, you don't. Whatever. But um, and it's really hilarious. And along with being really funny and really cute, I also think it's a really great visual representation of the fact that that is just one of those animal concepts that is not necessarily true. And finally, in the Splash Zone this week, the National Aquarium has been having a blast on Twitter. A few days ago, the National Aquarium posted some information about Funzo, their pig-nosed turtle, also known as a fly river turtle. Now, if you know me, you know that this is one of the species that I truly adore at zoos. And since most zoos don't have sea turtles, I kind of like to think of them as the sea turtles of zoos pig turtles are adorable. I have always loved this species. Uh, they got their name for a reason. They have a big piggy kind of nose with huge holes at the end, and it's really cute. And uh, they can't duck into their shells, and their shells are not hard. They're soft and skin-covered. Um, I've definitely posted pictures and video, and I will make sure that I do so again to go along with this uh, story. So when the National Aquarium posted a picture of Funzo saying happy 28th birthday to Funzo the pig-nosed turtle, they got a lot of harassment online. People wrote things like, that's an anteater. With all due respect, its nose is a power cable for my Xbox, which, to be fair, isn't entirely incorrect. Another person said, God, really just putting out whatever lately. Muppet characters have gone too far. Why is it so smooth? It's freaking me out. One person literally just wrote, I don't like him. The former wide receiver of the Baltimore Ravens, Tori Smith, who I used to like before this, said, and I quote, This is one of the top five ugliest animals I've ever seen. And last but not least, somebody named Uncle Chaps, and I don't know who that is, but he has one of those blue checkmark things, said, imagine being hatched and you find out your species is called pig-nosed turtle. You'd look in the mirror and be devastated. Well, the National Aquarium did not take this sitting down and instead posted all of those things saying, what's with all the hate? Funzo doesn't deserve this with the crying emoji and the hashtag justice for Funzo. And people weighed in in droves. Other zoos and aquariums started sending messages with hashtag justice for funzo and then hashtag team funzo. A lot of individuals started also commenting, and people even started, like, posting artwork about how cute Funzo was. I think I even saw a crocheted Funzo. It was so sweet to see, and it's so cool seeing so many people that have probably never heard of or noticed a pig turtle before now— falling in love with one. So that was such awesome work by the social media team at the National Aquarium. And I just want to say that we here at the Ross Safari podcast are 1,000% hashtag Team Funzo. See, I told you we'd eventually get to the Funzo stuff. Ha ha! Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring it to Conservation News. And You know, Finland is often called the Pennsylvania of Europe. Okay, Finland has never been called the Pennsylvania of Europe. However, there is something that Finland and Pennsylvania have in common, which is a ton of deer running out into roads and causing huge accidents day in and day out. It's a real problem in both places. Uh, Every year, about 4,000 deer lose their lives on Finnish roads in car accidents, causing 15 million euros of damage. So um, in particular, Finnish reindeer herders have come together to test out a new way to make the deer more visible to drivers. Reflective paint. The herders go out and spray paint the antlers of the reindeer with a paint that is reflective when car headlights hit it. They are very visible. There are some pictures of this out on the interwebs if you want to Google it, and it literally looks like like they're light-up antlers, like they are, I don't know, something out of a really cool reindeer club. Um, But yeah, this is a really awesome idea, and I would love to see something like this uh, used in Pennsylvania. Deers have caused my cars a lot of issues, y'all. A ban on selling ivory products in Hong Kong has gone into effect. This has been a gradual phase out in the trade of ivory since the bill was passed in 2018. This is hugely important as Hong Kong is one of the largest ivory markets in the world. Along with the ban on ivory sales, the uh, government also has put in a bunch of heavy, heavy penalties for wildlife crime offenses, and uh, this is really good for the future of elephants and, you know, animals as a whole, the Hong Kong government taking animal safety seriously is wonderful news for conservation. The conservation world is mourning the loss of yet another giant in the field, Richard Leakey. Richard Leakey is a Kenyan who was appointed the head of the Wildlife Conservation and Management Department of the Kenyan government in response to the international outcry over the poaching of elephants and the impact it was having on the wildlife of Kenya. The department, which was later replaced by the Kenya Wildlife Services and Leakey stayed on as its first chairman, had uh, some seriously bold steps taken to help stop poaching. For instance, uh, anti-poaching units were told to shoot poachers on site, no questions asked. It had a huge impact on the overall poaching industry, and uh, poaching was dramatically reduced due to Leakey's work. Richard Leakey and other people also made news when they burned a stockpile of 12 tons of confiscated ivory rather than sell it back into the market, despite the fact that there were people who wanted the government to do just that. In 2016, Leakey was named Conservationist of the Year by the Perfect World Foundation. And you know, friends, that brings up an interesting point. We've lost a lot of conservationists lately. Richard Leakey, Dr. Thomas Lovejoy... Edward O. Wilson, and of course, Betty White. We know that despite there being some complicated history, possibly, of, of certain animal acquisitions, Jack Hanna is still with us, but is, is no longer able to function properly. And Jane Goodall, despite doing absolutely amazing, is also an octogenarian. The time is ripe. We need a younger generation of conservationists to step up in a huge way. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to keep meeting those people and keep encouraging those people and, uh, and seeing it happen. So, as you've probably heard, uh, the pandemic has led to a huge uptick in people getting dogs. And don't worry, this isn't going to be another story about how now that you're going back to work, you can't let your dog go or whatever. Although, hey, don't do that. But none of my Rosafarians would do that. Let's be honest. This is, however, a warning to all of my dog-loving listeners out there, which is to tell you that across the country, thieves have been attacking people to steal their dogs uh, in record numbers. Dog nappings are up hugely, y'all, and in part, it's to fill the void of people wanting dogs and shelters not having them or people wanting expensive breeds and breeders not being able to keep up with the demand, all that kind of stuff. Species like French bulldogs are very expensive and as such are the ones most likely to be targeted by dog nappers. However, there are a huge uptick in just mutts being stolen or chihuahuas or all kinds of stuff. It's it's crazy. So uh be careful out there, y'all. The AKC recommends the following for all dog owners. Have your dog microchipped and make sure the data is registered and kept up to date. Never leave your pet unattended, even in a fenced yard. And be careful about what you're telling potential dog nappers when you post pictures of your pet on social media. I've also been told that if you are walking your dog regularly, try to take different routes and pay attention to if you're seeing the same person there all the time. I know it sounds a little crazy, but I know that I would be heartbroken if any of my little fur babies were taken from me, and and you probably would be too. So let's stay vigilant, y'all. And then finally, this week in other news, um. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but we in the science world and the animal world have been living a lie. Despite their name, millipedes do not have a thousand legs. In case you don't understand what that means, milli doesn't mean a million, it means a thousand. But no millipedes have ever actually been found with a thousand legs before now. A very leggy female millipede found deep in an Australian mine has 1,306 legs, making it the first ever true millipede. All of those legs are on a body that is only 3.78 inches long. The species has been named Eumillipes persephone, which is actually really funny. The first name means, quote, true thousand feet, Kind of, you know, picking on all the other millipedes out there. And the second name comes from Persephone, who is the queen of the underworld in Greek mythology. Get it? Because it, like, lives in a mine? Now, you may find yourself wondering, Okay, so we've never had a true millipede before, but how close have we gotten? The closest ever is a species of millipede found in California that only has 750 legs. Slacker. So, the name Millipede has always been a misnomer until now, but now we have an actual Millipede. Yay! That won't make you all scared when you sleep tonight. Oh! So, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I thought I was going to be home when I was recording this, and I don't have my Peppermint Narwhal calendar with me, and it's really sad. Uh, But a quick search of the internet has given me some animal holidays. First of all, January 2022 is One Health Awareness Month. One Health is the concept that we have to be able to take care of animals and humans and all that stuff together. One Health, yay. Walk Your Dog Month, National Train Your Dog Month, Unchain a dog month. Lots of dogs going on in January. Hopefully no dog nappings though, right? And adopt a rescue bird month. And then according to some random internet stuff that I found, January 9th is Save the Eagles Day, and January 11th is Eagle Day. You know, friends, sometimes Googling last minute just really doesn't. Quite have the same effect as doing something right, and I apologize for that. But hey, we're all human, and uh, I try to be authentic. So uh, those are kind of your animal holidays for the week. Okay, y'all. And there you have it. Zoo News is done for the week. And frankly, it's about time because uh, this was a crazy episode, y'all, between me not feeling well and then being shot out of a cannon once I started feeling better and then having like 3,000 sad stories to start with and uh, then all the goofiness and then forgetting my calendar. This This was quite a journey for all of us now, wasn't it? And uh, speaking of journey, I want to say thank you to Lara Shank for being on this journey with me as my Red Panda Level patron. Uh, You can support the pod at Red Panda Level or lower by going to patreon.com slash rossafari. And don't forget, like I mentioned before, if you want to be super cool, you can send me articles for the Zoo News episode. This week we had a ton of contributors, including Jacob Zinn, Jacob Newman, Dylan Hoy, Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Martin from Martin's Exotics, Peter Oilo, Tiana Chin, and my mommy, Marianne Rossi. Thank you all for uh, helping me out with this. I super appreciate it. And remember, friends, the phrase newsy credits backwards is Steiderk Yiswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossifaripod at gmail.com. Rasafari Safari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.